You're listening to episode 55 of the Urban Yogi Podcast featuring Tara Bianca. Tara is a love activist, spiritual mentor, speaker, and leader in transformation. Her mission is to inspire humanity to awaken and ascend to the power of love, joy, peace, and equality, and to come home to the deepest, most divine truth of their beingness. She is a friend to humankind. She combines over 20 years of research, teaching, speaking, and private coaching experience with expertise in healing the mind, body, and soul to help people revolutionize their life for success. Her multidisciplinary approach guides people through quantum shifts to access their ability to create a life from an entirely different level of consciousness. She inspires them to be a source of inspiration for others in the world and to awaken their divine heart to embody presence and unconditional love. Tara is known for her compassionate, unconditionally loving heart. She knows the divinity of each person she encounters. Tara frees them to explore life as they choose for themselves, while she invites them to choose to experience their own divine beauty. Tara's clients have included pro athletes, professionals, entrepreneurs, creatives, couples, expecting parents, children, and Academy Award-nominated actors. She writes and teaches about love, transformation, spirituality, consciousness, tantra, stress management, health, and wellness biohacking, neurohacking, nutrition, relationships, parenting, and pregnancy. Tara lives between ocean and rainforest in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I hope you enjoy my interview with her. She's a very inspiring individual, and I'm really grateful that she took the time to sit down with us on the podcast today. Satnam Yogis, I'm here with my spiritual teacher Tara Bianca. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really my appreciate pleasure. it. Yeah. Um, recently, Tara spoke. Is it Tara or Tara? Tara. Okay, got it. Got it right. Yeah. Uh, Tara spoke recently at the Manhood Tribe meeting, and it was just really inspiring to have her with us and share about her new book. So I'd like to delve into some of the messages that she downloaded from the divine uh, through this new book project. Tara, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much to cover, Uh, but everything in its divine timing. And so I wrote a book and I would say I co-wrote a book. (laughs) I was divinely inspired by a very powerful experience that I had last February of Mm. 2019, where I in prayer had asked for a blessing in my heart center um, from the divine from the divine mother as well as well as the the divine son and from from the light of the of the of the divine as well Mm. and so as i was bringing this awareness and this prayer into my heart center my crown opened up quite Mm. wide and i i recognized there's something significant was happening and this was before a really powerful meditation I was going into. And mm-hmm. in that moment, the divine said to me, 
would you also like the flower of heaven? Oh. And I said, yes. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but if it's from heaven, absolutely. Mm. And so the seed dropped into my heart center. And I had also set an intention as well. I'd asked the divine to mentor me directly in surrendering even deeper to the divine. Mm. And I, I asked for this because throughout my life, I've had a very beautiful and intense relationship with the divine. And I asked for mentorship when I was about eight and a half, no, sorry, six and a half years old originally. Mm. And I didn't even quite understand what I was asking for. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand whether it could be met or not. I just had, had an assumption that if the divine existed, then, then the divine would mentor me directly. And so I went into this mentorship and it wasn't until last February that I, I kind of renewed that, but from a place of expanded consciousness, you know, in, in a place mm -hmm. where I was more mature in my relationship with the divine. Right. It's like renewing vows yeah. with someone. And so I asked the divine, you know, how can I uh, surrender even deeper to you? You know, show me, guide me and mentor me. And so I'd, I'd set this intention before I even asked for, for the divine to come into my heart center. And, and it was a very clear intention. It was a very strong intention. And when I was a little girl, it was from a place of feeling like I was lost without any type of mentorship, no one I could turn to for these really profound awakenings in my mind and that were being revealed to me at such a young age. And so my turning to the divine at a young age was from a place of aloneness, hmm. a place where I felt there was no one who could guide me. And so it was a very, very, I don't want to say dark place because there was a almost a not a sense of of how alone I actually felt. I don't know how to describe that, but it was just the knowing of my aloneness without without depression, without, mm. you know, as a child, you have all these other joys and everything else, but there was like something, an underlying, I really, really, truly want to connect. Yeah. And so last year when I asked for this really profound mentorship, and it's not like I had, haven't asked for the Divine's mentorship um, over the years, but in this way, it was a, it was a very much a renewal of that overriding mentorship, and so it was an incredible surrender that I did to to receive, um, you know, just the offer of the flower of heaven in my heart center. And then once once it dropped in, the it was interesting. The flower of heaven was tied in with this teaching on surrender, hmm. and as that uh, seed blossomed in my heart center over the course of a day the divine surrendered into me to teach me how to surrender to the divine. Hmm. And it's really fascinating because there's, there's been so many instances where the divine has shown me such respect. And I can't tell you what that does to a person. And even recently, just touching briefly on this subject, there's another book that's coming very, very shortly in a few weeks that, has been a full-on divine transmission. So this, the flower... It's going to be released? It's going to be released in a oh, few wow. weeks. in a few weeks. And so this book that, that Will's talking about is called The Flower of Heaven. It's a book mm. that I published last November mm. based on this experience. But there's another book that's coming in a few weeks. And 
what's fascinating is as I transcribed that book, the divine mm -hmm. asked my permission mm -hmm. and for, to reveal something. And I was, I was actually, I was just kind of took kind of a double take. I was like, yes, of course you can share that. I just assumed, you know, whatever God was going to do would be the best course of action anyway. But I was, mm -hmm. I was actually really, I, I, it was a pause within me for that request to be made to me. It, it really affected me. It, it created this incredible sense of, deep personal relationship with the divine that the divine actually considered me in making a decision right and it it really opened my heart deeper to the divine of course deeper to myself mm. it was it was really beautiful and i've seen this from time to time in these little ways that the divine considers me which means if the divine's considering me the divine's considering you mm -hmm. and and not just in these types of ways, but but also in other every type of way, of whatever is best for us, right. whatever is most nourishing for us. And I feel really blessed because um, the divine has assisted me to be in this place of receptivity where I can, you know, transmit or share, where I can allow the divine to speak through me in whatever ways. Are meaningful and nourishing to the people who are receiving the message. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's the feeling I got from when you were speaking on Monday at our meeting. It felt like I was telling you, like Esther Hicks, who channels a group of spiritual teachers known as Abraham, and I could literally see both with you and her. It's like a an energy that you're receiving, and then you're just doing your best to put it into English. Yeah, and that's so cool. It's really the energy and. Uh, I feel like uh, in the Piscean age, it was all about being in our heads. And now that we're in the Aquarian age, it's all about being in our hearts and our felt sense. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak on that? Sort of the idea of being in the body and that truth is felt in the body. Mm -hmm. We are so blessed to be born into this existence. This, is, this existence is a gift to all of us, like a real true gift from the divine. And... It is a conscious choice for all of us to be born into this existence and this embodiment. It's not like it's forced upon us, but it's a mm -hmm. gift that's available to us and many of us, well, the ones who, who are here, choose it, despite right. the struggles and the suffering that they experience. It's a choice to come in and experience like the beauty of this existence. And, and the, I wanna say the, um, the uniqueness, it's not like any other experience that's available in existence and when we come into this this place there's a lot of people who have a misconception they have this idea of wanting to become enlightened to transcend this existence and everything else and I I used to have that too when I when I first started to awaken uh, back in 2000 I went into unity consciousness and I was like yeah <laughs> like I'm on my way <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it was short-lived a uh, few you know, less than two months, and then I spiraled down into hell because of a crazy choice that I made. Mm -hmm. But all with good learning, mm -hmm. and it was an incredible experience to to experience that beautiful awakening, and and then the crazy closing that went along with it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but in it, I I I would go into these um, states of ecstasy when I when I was starting to awaken into unity consciousness, mm -hmm. and. I didn't understand them. I thought the, the ecstasy was the enlightened state. 
Oh, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, right. go into that. Yeah, it, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a side effect. That's really it, because Sadhguru was saying that most teachers teach, what is it, peace, but really it's ecstasy. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if that always really resonated with me, so tell me what yeah. you feel. So ecstasy is delightful, <laughs> and it's a beautiful side effect for some people when they go into awakening, but it's temporary because the body mm. cannot, um, the body wants to be in a state of homeostasis. Yes. And it'd be like being orgasmic all the time. It's just, I see. It's, it's not, the body won't allow it. You will basically, you'll, you'll still be, in, you can be in an awakened state, but the body will acclimate to keep your pulse down, to make sure your blood's flowing optimally for mm-hmm. everything else. And the body doesn't like to be in a state of ecstasy. The other thing is being in a state of ecstasy can sometimes actually have you in a state where if you're not careful, you're, you're expelling your, your, your beautiful energy out into the universe. It right. can feel, it's like, it's like if you're ejaculating all the time, right? All the time. And <laughs> so, see. and that can be exhausting and you can't withstand it. And, and so you'll end up, you'll have to close somehow. Mm-hmm. And so if you can be in a place where you can be circulating that your own energy that's been released. Now we're talking about when, when I went to state of unity consciousness, it happened because my Kundalini just shot up mm. one day when I was in these beautiful, profound states of surrender. Mm. And, you know, I had a very d- different type of relationship with the divine. I was very serious, hmm. very serious about my love of God and <laughs> my love of Christ and my love of the Holy Mother. And what's really fascinating is that I was, you could say I had a, quite the mystic path. Hmm. And in it, I was very much in a more of a longing state. Like I was longing for a lover or longing, you know, and so Mm -hmm. it really brought the divine to me. It was a very powerful, passionate experience. Mm. And it would take me into these states of ecstasy. But I would be exhausted. Mm. I'd be so exhausted afterwards and I couldn't maintain it. There's too much. My crown was so open, everything would just shoot up out. Right. And I didn't know anything about energy practices at the time. And, and so I, didn't, I never understood or knew that you should have your tongue on the roof of your mouth when these things are happening and cycle your energy. No one had taught me mm. about energy practices. Mm-hmm. And so um, as long as my crown was open, everything I was losing all this beautiful energy mm. that could have been used for even going to even higher states of consciousness. Mm. And Would you say that ecstasy is a step and there might even be a higher stage or that in some weird way there could be a higher state of consciousness that's more sustainable? Yeah, I believe so. And, and, and the state of consciousness that I exist in now uh, has come through a level of training that has, has been in decades in the making. Hmm. And the divine has mentored me very clearly to how to be in a state of, of what I would call ecstatic I guess the best word is gratitude ecstatic gratitude Mm. but to be sober simultaneously and Mm -hmm. it's really is holding and this is your original question about you know embodying and and being in this world um, and not trying to kind of escape it in a way but to really bring in the gifts and the blessings 
into this world. And so that's, that's what I call the sacred balance. It's, it's basically you're grounded in the, the field of existence, simultaneously connected to the divine. Hmm. And when you're in that place, when it's appropriate, and I, I don't, that word is not maybe the best word, but when you're in, in a, a sacred dance and you're a divine servant, there's times where you're serving in one way and there's times where you're serving in another way. And going into the state of ecstasy is a type of service. Mm. You're bringing in incredible blessings for the world. But to stay in it, is, there's a selfishness in it. Mm. it it's coming, coming into the place where you can step into life and go, okay, how, how can this be applied? How can I assist my brothers and sisters around the world? What can I do to bring you know, peace, joy, and equanimity to everyone else, not just for me to stay in that beautiful, blessed state. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a lot, a lot of me going into ecstasy, coming out of ecstasy, going into ecstasy, coming out, and to be able to be in a place where I can, can hold the field. Right. It's like grounding the higher states of consciousness uh, into your own physical body so that you can be of service to the world. Right. And um, it makes me think of the work of David Hawkins, um, mm -hmm. Power Versus Force. Mm -hmm. And he did say that, you know, there's a, so Christ consciousness would be like calibrated at a thousand. Mm -hmm. And 200 is like, you know, the, the tipping point where you go from frequencies that don't support life to frequencies that do support life. Mm -hmm. So courage is that sort of tipping point there. And he was saying that you could, this is his belief, you could, the best way to help the world is to stop trying to help the world and this this was back in 2009 and he said that 85 percent of the world was vibrating still below 200 mm -hmm. so he said they don't most people aren't going to understand you if you're vibrating above 200 you're, you're trying to speak yeah yeah give so me just give me one moment. a little break music <laughs> <interlude>. <laughs> um he's saying that like if you if you're trying to use words to change the world most of the world, because 85% of the people are vibrating below 200, aren't going to understand you because their brain chemistry is different mm -hmm. than somebody who's vibrating above. Uh, so he just said the best way to help the world is to just keep your mouth shut. And like you could even, he said you could change the world more probably just by like living in a cave by yourself because it's the frequency that your body, mind, soul gives off that changes the world. Mm -hmm. um, but he did say that doesn't mean, you know, that you don't go and if you feel called to help or a certain cause that you don't do it. But um, I think he was just sort of reifying that his belief is that, you know, people aren't going to understand you because most of them are vibrating below 200. So they'll kind of think you're an idiot or they'll think you should be shot. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. just what he said. And there, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. The, the flower of heaven is really good because it's it's a manual on being a love activist, which is stepping mm -hmm. into the world with love activism and learning mm -hmm. how to be a conscious friend. Mm. And so there are. There is going to be there are going to be times when sitting in a cave is appropriate for a soul. They're going to come. They're going to be like, "Hey, I need to go sit in a cave." They're going to sit in a cave. But for the for the majority of us, it's not an option. You know, if you're a householder, <laughs> if you have children, if you have responsibilities, mm -hmm. being able to meet those responsibilities is really important. <coughs> and important because all of us have a different path in this existence of what it is we're here to experience and what we're here to, how we're here to serve too. Mm. Would you say part of it's cultivating our ability to hold the frequency of love um, 
and just be in the world, be in society, mm-hmm. um, do whatever we feel called to do in a way we're actually embodying as best we can a consciousness that's high frequency. Yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. <laughs> I mean, these are these are all very important. Um, the, one of the most important things, though, as an individual that you can do for yourself is, and I mentioned this just on Mondays, you need to take care of your most basic needs. Mm, that's so important. You have to take care of yourself. You have to make sure you're nourished. Mm-hmm. And and then from that place, then, you, then you're, you're operating from a place where you can actually share rather mm. than just giving away and exhausting yourself. And so being mm. in a place where, you know, I... I I have all these stories that I could tell about how you can basically go and just sit silently and you can affect the field. That's absolutely true. And there are times where you need to speak into the field. There's times where you need to act into the field. Would it be Viveka discernment of knowing when to do what action? Yes. And taking care of yourself allows you to have that discernment because when you're nourished, when you are, when you have slept well, Mm -hmm. when you've meditated, when you've exercised, when you have eat, eaten nourishing and nutrient-dense foods, um, when you have fun, mm. when you have adventure, when you have you know community around you and you're supported, then you have the ability to discern how to step into the world. And it's not that you can't simultaneously do both, but there is something about allowing yourself to really fully be nourished mm. and to give yourself that ability and if you need that nourishment again it's not like he's like oh, I'm just gonna get nourished and then I'm gonna share with the world it's allowing yourself to be constantly nourished and mm. one of the best ways to be con- constantly nourished is to uh, rest into the divine mm. breath work you can do breath work chanting you, chanting you can walk in a forest and be grateful um, cold for, plunge and just cold plunge. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, cold plunge. <laughs> Whatever brings joy to you is actually that which it connects you with. Mm. Um, and we're not talking about um, necessarily. Uh, there, there's a difference between happiness and joy. There's a mm. difference between uh, hedonism and ex- like spiritual ecstasy. <laughs> there's a fine line sometimes too. And so, you know, there are certain sexual practices that can bring your energy down, and there's certain sexual practices that can bring your energy up. So practicing making love in a way that is nourishing for you is really important and also important for the world because it affects how you are, affects the world, of course. And I teach that on Sundays, 10.30 a.m. for men, Sexual Kung Fu, 2200 (laughs) Ontario Street, Lincoln Bio. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Um, And and do you, I would imagine you teach probably certain tantric things to women in that Right. So I teach more individually at this time. And uh, so I teach uh, the sacred balance, which is, involves sexual tantra, but it involves tantra in in all aspects of life. Cool. And so... uh, And people could, if they wanted to learn more about what you offer, tarabianca.com? Tarabianca.com. Awesome. I'll put that link in the show notes. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, I teach a lot lot about um, getting into the into the place especially even in this book the flower of heaven but in everything i do is to assist people to to begin to feel nourished inside and to Mm. reconnect them with that which is nourishing because all of life seeks to awaken us Mm -hmm. and all of life can be nourishing to us if we approach it in in a way that where there's balance within ourselves and that's 
that um, sounds simple, and there is a lot in that statement, but really starting with the basics. You want to plug your holes too. You know, if you have leaks oh, in yeah. your life, for example, if you, um, you know, find yourself in a really combative relationship, mm. you need to address that because you're constantly creating karma in that whirlwind of, of a relationship. What's your definition of karma? Karma, karma. Well, simply karma. Karma is caramel. Caramel, caramel. Yeah, <laughs> karma. Uh, karma is that that. Um, I would call it a practice. Mm. And a lot of people fear the word karma. They think it's all about I'm going to be punished and, and that sort of thing. Karma is the sacred balance. It's actually the accounting of the divine in the field of existence, and the divine isn't a punisher. The divine is the great accountant, the great mathematician that ensures that there is a sacred balance. Hmm. And so if, if a person harms one person, then that person will experience equal harm so that no equality is maintained. Would you say part of it is vibrational? For example, um, if you harm another mm -hmm. and then you realize what you've done, and you practice Honoponopono, mm -hmm. and then would that be a way to sort of clear the karma so that less um, harm is brought to you mm -hmm. from committing that sin? Yes. So the beautiful benefit of Ho'oponopono, and I, I teach it in a, an extended version, and actually the original Ho'oponopono is an ex, an extent, like a great extension. It's, it's 12 steps. Um, the way that Dr. Hugh Lin teaches it is in one step. And the way that I teach it is in four, which actually is very similar to the, the 12 step. I've, I was divinely guided to ensure that it was lengthened oh. because there's really important aspects to doing a forgiveness prayer. And for those who don't know what Ho'oponopono means, it's, it's basically, it's an act of forgi forgiveness. And in all of the sacred traditions, they speak about the technology of forgiveness to clear karma. Oh, do they? Yes, and so this is the divine's like, hey, you wanna, you wanna not feel the wrath of your own actions? Here's this beautiful, I call it a technology, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a transmission from the divine that says, if you, if you do this, you take these steps, then you can right this situation. Hmm. And the thing is, is sometimes, let's say you've been hurt or harmed in this lifetime. You don't know if that's because you did something from a previous lifetime hmm. or if that's just kind of a new thing that's happening to you. And then in a new lifetime, you're that you're going to enact that punishment on that person in hmm. some way. So you don't know which end you are on it, or it could even be as just kind of a cycling pattern that's been going on between you and that person or you and a group of people or whatever the situation is. And so forgiveness prayer is an opportunity to step into what the divine refers to as kind of a jubilee. If, mm. if anybody's familiar with a jubilee, uh, back in the day, the crown, the British crown, used to give a 50-year jubilee, which was a reset of all debt. Oh. Because otherwise they would have generational debt and then to the point where society couldn't even really function because there'd mm. be so many people that would be in debt. So they would do this jubilee, which would renew 
basically set everybody at, at equal oh, again. Oh, that's what it was. I remember yeah. seeing like the 100 Jubilee coin. Right. Well, it's changed was. now. Now they're like, it's just a celebration. Oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> back in the day, it used to be this reset of, of debt. <laughs> so that's what uh, doing Ho'oponopono or forgiveness prayer is all about is this Jubilee <laughs> where you basically go to the person at the soul level and you say, listen, dear so-and-so, I love you. I'm sorry for any and all suffering I've caused you in this lifetime or any other lifetime. Please forgive me. Um, may, may your life be blessed and, and, and so forth. And then thank you, thank you, thank you. So those are the four steps? That's the first step. Okay. Yeah. So it's a kind of a setup and I've gone through it quite quickly. Is it on your website anywhere? Where could it's people... not on my website, but it's in my book, The Flower of Heaven. And, um, and certainly when I work one-on-one -on -one with people, I take them through those it. steps nice. and, and uh, go into depth around. We'll put the link to yeah. Tara's book out as well in the show notes. Mm -hmm. You can get it on Amazon. Just type in Flower of Heaven, Tara Bianca. It's a really good book. <laughs> and it's available worldwide. Eh? It's pretty much, yeah, cool. in mo almost every country. So Awesome. Yeah. And then the second step is basically, so you've asked for forgiveness from this person. The second step is saying to that person, I choose to forgive you for any and all suffering you've caused me in this lifetime or any mm. other lifetime. Because you don't know what the pattern is. Right. And the whole idea behind it is, you could both of you be very lost in this cyclical pattern that's going on from lifetime to lifetime mm -hmm. and it's creating incredible suffering for both of you and for the world mm. and when you go to this place where you forgive that person you forgive their debt it's coming from a place of understanding if i free them to move on then i'm free to move on too mm. and so when you free that person it tells the universe, it tells the divine something very, very significant, mm. that you're willing to cancel all their debt. Now, here's the thing. The divine cannot actually grant what we call forgiveness until we choose forgiveness. Mm. And forgiveness isn't even necessary. It's actually forgiveness is there because of the field of unforgiveness that we generate. Mm. So once we go into forgiveness, true forgiveness, all of a sudden, then forgiveness doesn't even exist. It gets obliterated. It's unnecessary. Would you say that the self-love, like the good daily habits component, is key to being able to access that frequency of forgiveness? Yes. When you're, when you're feeling rested and nourished, it's so much easier to, to, to go into any state of consciousness that's mm. more beneficial for you, uh, especially forgiveness. If you are suffering for whatever reason and you can do forgiveness, wow, it's even more powerful. Hmm. I mean, trust me, the divine knows what's going on with you. And so if you can move through your own suffering to ensure that you forgive people's debt, even while you're suffering, it's incredible. Abraham says that forgiveness is withdrawing your attention from that which is holding you out of the vortex. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the being tuned in, tapped in, turned on, feeling healthy, happy, holy. So it's withdrawing your attention from whatever is preventing you from feeling healthy, happy, holy, mm -hmm. blissful, bountiful, beautiful. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. And sometimes uh, many people, they don't know what's the bridge to being in that state. Mm -hmm. And the bridge is start practicing this practice of pr this prayer of freeing people from however the two of you are bound together. Mm. And to be able to be in, in a relationship that's free, my goodness, if you, if you encounter people 
and you're able to be in a relationship of freedom with them, it's so beautiful. I mean, the creativity that can occur between you, the mm -hmm. energy that can occur between the two of you, it's something so beautiful. And I'll tell you this, when you become a person who frees everyone you encounter, people love to be around you. They love, they feel so peaceful. They just want to sit near you. They just want to be near you. They just, you know, like, they're, you know, it's, it's incredible what happens. And, and they know because when you're, when you truly free people, you're not creating karma. If you're in a relationship that binds somebody, you're creating karma. Hmm. Like you have to, you should, I have a judgment about you, this, that, whatever. So is karma then a pin, it's a, you're creating a pinched off frequency? you the, the, when you go into any type of, I'll call it a practice that brings you more into the illusion, you are leaving truth. Hmm. You're actually not in mentorship with the divine and your divinity. And so to be hmm. in that really clear state that guides you in where to be and how to be and, and everything else, to hmm. really have clear, beautiful, amazing mentorship that's like generated from the inside out and the outside in and in and around and through everything, to be in that really amazing mentorship then you have to wake up from all the ways that you practice being in the illusion. Hmm. And those ways are judgment. Now these are judgment to, to somebody else or yourself. So judge self-judgment, judgment peer to peer, judgment country to country, doesn't matter. Um, shame, guilt, um, hmm. frustration, uh, expectation. These self, are all, all ways of, these, of creating karma. Of creating karma. Well, basically binding yourself to the illusion or binding yourself to maya. Right. Uh, closing so, yourself down from, from actually being in, in divine wisdom, in divine love, in divine uh, truth, in divine states of consciousness. So when you say karma is a practice, you mean it's the practice of um, a state of being that is binding one more to that which is not true than to that which is true? Karma can go either way. Hmm. And so karma is a practice of discernment, like everything else, hmm. to create a sacred balance within yourself. So when you, when you go into a behavior that you know to be harmful for yourself or for someone else, that's just you knowingly create, creating karma. Hmm. But you can maybe, maybe sometimes people are like, well, I have to lie to that person so they don't feel bad. So hmm. they think they're doing a good thing, but they're still creating karma. So I'm still confused. So karma is the practice of... <laughs> it's a word. <laughs> but it's Making a, your life more stressful than right. it needs to be. <laughs> it can be, but it can also be the practice of aligning yourself with truth. Mm. So karma can go, that's why I say it can go in both directions. So okay. when you start to take right action, I, I don't like the word right per se, but optimal action, peaceful, loving action towards yourself and toward others, then you start to, to, to create positive karma. Pos positive karma. Oh, I see. Okay. So yeah, so it's this place where it's 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 not a, karma's not a bad thing. It's a practice. It is a practice of discernment. It's like oh, I'm suffering, and so for me to not suffer, then I need to make better choices, more healthy choices for myself, and you know what I'm creating. Um, it, it really is an act of creation. That's why I say it's a practice. Like you're. You're manifesting the outcome of your existence with every choice that you make. Hmm. And sometimes that can be overwhelming for people. It's like, oh my God, I've got to think about everything. 
-hmm. And it's like, no, when you actually begin to align yourself with the mentorship of love, the mentorship of peace, the mentorship of the divine, anything that will bring you into these awakened states, it can be quite easy because if you follow the leader of love, if you follow the leader of peace, if you follow the leader of connection and truth, then the moment you start to go out of alignment with that, it, it's like, hey, come back mm. really gently. If you go out really far, it'll be like, I want to help pull you back, but you have to give me permission. And so then if you find yourself too far in one direction that's causing problems, then you, really surrendering and saying, wow, I've got, I, recognizing the way I, I allowed myself to be mentored or the choices I made have gotten me lost. I am mm. suffering right now. I choose to come back into, into truth. I choose to come back into love and peace. May, I may not know how to get there. And so I'm going to take mentorship from the most amazing mentor there is, mm. which is the leader of love, which is the divine. Mm. And the divine welcomes you into this type of mentorship relationship. And it's the, the type of thing that a lot of people think doesn't exist for them. Like how, mm. how could it possibly be that the divine's available for, for me personally? And it's, it's absolutely available. And if you need a stepping stone, then ask peace to mentor you in peace because mm. peace is an energy and it is a, a, a beautiful um, opportunity to have a mentor. Like it's like peace is a saint mm. to guide you in. If you get lost to say, hey, peace, can you mentor me back? Mm. How, what would peace do? What would love do? Oh, that's good. What, you know, peace, yeah. and so being in a place of, of coming into the truth of, of what keeps you in a place of expanded consciousness, which keeps you in a place of, of joy and mm. equanimity mm -hmm. and, and peace itself. To be able to be present for yourself in a way where you, you're not lost in the suffering. That's really mm. what's going on is when you, when you create this, create karma, it's just a word, but when you create an imbalance in your life, we could even call it that, an imbalance, mm, um, then it's like, okay, I'm out of balance. How do I come back into balance? That makes sense to me. Yeah. So when, would you say that the universe and the way people treat you is um, a vibrational indicator of what you're doing to yourself? So say like you're out of balance, you've created some karma, you're out of balance. It sounds like that's kind of synonymous. Mm -hmm. um, and you're in a place of feeling bad about something you did. And then you're attracting people who are making you feel bad about other things. Or you get a parking sure. ticket or this or that. Would you say that? Because for me, I like the idea that the universe is a vibrational indicator moment to moment of what we're doing to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so if prayers like Honoponopono can help us ease up on ourselves a little bit. And in the process of easing up on ourselves, the universe eases up on us too. Well, this, one of the side effects of doing Ho'oponopono is literally feeling lighter. Mm. Like so the, coming more back into balance. More into balance. And so the density or the heaviness of suffering, of judgment, of expectation, of anger, of unforgiveness, all mm. of these things um, make us feel very heavy. Mm. And we experience the accumulation of that heaviness as anxiety, depression, um, not wanting to live, a whole bunch of things come up within us because it's too, it's, the weight is, is almost unbearable. 
Mm. And, and people want to escape it, but it's really you have a responsibility and it's everyone has their own responsibility. Mm -hmm. And this society doesn't give people, we're not taught in school, things like mm -hmm. breath work or chanting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this society hasn't really given people very many tools to be able to process those, like what to do when you are creating karma. In other words, when you're creating negative karma or yeah. maybe negative is the wrong word, when you're creating an imbalance. You can call it negative in that it, it affects you negatively. It's, mm. I mean, it's a way to discern between between the two. We, I would mm. never call it bad. Right. I would call it. It's a big teaching moment. Teaching moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> That's excruciating. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, yeah, it's so, not any like anybody's doing it to you. You're doing it to yourself. And yes. so when you start to wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm making these choices that are creating my own suffering, then when you start to make decisions, you can be way more discerning. You'll be like, okay, there may be consequences. Mm -hmm. Most likely will be consequences to mm -hmm. everything. And so what, how can I move forward in this? Right. And sometimes it takes courage. It takes bravery to switch a, a behavior that we've had our whole life that protects us. Like for example, lying. Somebody might have like mm -hmm. this compulsion to lie and they, don't, they, they actually can't even stop themselves in the moment it's, it starts to happen and they see oh my gosh i'm here i'm lying and i can't stop now because i've just started it mm. and i have to save face i have to protect myself so i can't even let people know i'm lying and what i'd say is this I, I'm, I'm speaking from experience because i used to practice lying when i wasn't a teenager and when i turned 19 the divine was so had been mentoring me already for over 10 years and the divine was like, you need to go and tell all those people that you lied to, um, that you were lying. And the, one of the first people I t spoke to was my, my father. And I wrote him a letter and he said to me, he's like, you don't have to, you didn't have to do this. And I didn't need to know these things. And I said, yes, you did. But not for him, hmm. for me. Hmm. I needed to free myself. And I... I made a vow then that if ever I lied, that it would show up on my face, that someone mm. could tell that I was lying because I never wanted to hide that. I never wanted it to be something. And so I gave my body permission to be honest. And, you know, there, there have been a number of times where it's, it hasn't worked well for me. Like I crossed the border once and I, I was not forthcoming. And <laughs> <laughs> the border guard's like, open your trunk <laughs> and I didn't have any contraband or anything like that, but my schedule disclosed my actual plans. <laughs> oh, like going, going to a different country to teach or something. Or? Yeah. Something like that. And so I was, I realized, Oh, I can't do that anymore. And now I have to, to be honest and find a way to be honest. But I realized I was honestly, I was sitting there. I was like, um, yeah, wow. That really is interesting. How, when you make, make a deal like that mm -hmm. with yourself, how your body will, under all circumstances, reveal truth. Uh, but it's kept me honest. It's kept me in a place of, you know, if I, even if I start to lie, and when I say lie, I don't mean like I'm trying to tell somebody a lie. Uh, sometimes lies can come in the form of, um, years ago when I was being called to do the work that I'm doing, I kept saying, no, I'm not ready. And I got more and more sick. My body got so sick. Hmm. And the divine kept calling me. It was so strong in my heart. And I kept saying, I'm not enlightened enough. I'm not ready enough. Uh, and I, and, and I got so sick, I could barely function. 
uh, it was so bad I couldn't even string together words because my brain was was actually non-functioning and so hmm. it was we can lie to ourselves about our callings we can lie to ourselves about a lot of different things and, so and Jesus said something like if if you bring forth that which is your calling it will liberate you mm -hmm. and if you do not it will destroy you kind of right. thing <laughs> and that's what was happening for me it was a it, I was on this downward spiral or downward um, thing with my health, and it was all at the root of it was all that I wasn't listening to the calling in my heart. What and would you say to somebody watching who feels like they were in that they are in that place that you were in? Mm -hmm. What would be some steps that they could take to move towards their dharma, their life purpose? Right. Taking those difficult steps sometimes. Um, the most important thing is the acknowledgement of it, as for me, I was in denial. Hmm. I was in a place of you know, I, and I had an idea, an expectation that I had to be much more enlightened than I am. Mm. Um, and this is, yeah. of course, for my path as a spiritual teacher. And and that's like a social, societal thing, I think, too. Right. It like is. we've been programmed since a young age to compare and compete against each other, even in the spiritual mm. world. Right. And so I think that it's not our fault that we have those thought forms. Right. And the reason why they feel so bad is like because our bodies are our emotional guidance system mm -hmm. so when you have the thought oh I'm not there yet how does that make you feel it feels really icky yeah to think you know that was like when I was making my first album I thought well I haven't been to India mm -hmm. who am I to have these beautiful Sanskrit mantras on my album people are gonna think I'm a fraud I've never even been to India right and then my mentor just said I don't know if you know Susan Washington mm -mm. she's a life coach she lives in the North Shore she's really mm -hmm. sweet and she just said well you know, you're always going to have an excuse. The ego is always going to have an excuse to say why you're not ready yet. Right. And so that was really helpful to just be like, you know what? Never going to be ready. Just do your best. You love these mantras. Share them. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. true. It's very true. So the first thing is acknowledging. Acknowledging that you're being called. Hmm. So being in a place where you, where you say, if you say no, or I'm not ready, whatever, that is, it's a, it's a, a real shutting down that happens within you and you saying no affects your whole body energy field as well as your connection to that that higher guidance mm. the next thing to do in addition to into uh, acknowledging is to ask questions powerful questions always in the positive form which is how may I serve in this way what steps do I need to take to move me in this direction that I'm being called to. Who do I need to know? And you could Who do this in a meditation, ask it mm -hmm. and then sit and yeah. be with yourself. In the yeah, or you can just, you're eating dinner, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I do, I don't sit to meditate on a daily basis like I used to. Um, I meditate all day long. Nice. I pray all day long. And it's, some people might go, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. That's awesome. It actually is not. It's the easiest way mm. once you get into that. And it took me a while. It was practice. But I used to sit with my eyes open when I would sit and meditate. Mm. And I was guided to do that because I needed to bring every, all the states I was accessing into my waking you know, life. So that you know, when someone sat next to me, or where, where there was receptivity and people were listening, that whatever mm -hmm. needs to be drawn through me can be with me being able to sit here and right. turn and look at you and you're a stay householder. in that state. Yeah, I'm a householder. You're not and getting yeah. naked and leaving society and living in a cage the rest, cave right. the rest of your life. Yeah. So I'm serving like as a, a divine channel and 
as I serve in this way, I have to have my eyes open. I have to be able to be in a receptive state. Right. And so one of the things that you can practice, and this is in the book, in the, in, uh, in the uh, Flower of Heaven, is when you become a love activist and you, you step in to all your relationships, all of your experiences from the embodiment of love, you don't necessarily even notice it because it's happening so little bit by little bit. But all of a sudden, you are in a, a place of awakened state. And it's your normal, everyday state. And in that place, it doesn't feel like ecstasy or anything else. Mm-hmm. It just feels so peaceful, so joyful and equanimous. Mm. And, and that's what I've been practicing ever since. You know, the divine came to me one time. The divine's come to me numerous times. I'm very, I am very spiritually wealthy. And I, I recognize that beautiful... Um, gift that I've been given into this lifetime, but I, I'm here to share that wealth. Mm. I'm not to keep it to myself or anything like that. I'll share everything that's ever possible for me to share with anyone who's receptive and curious. Um, then I, I am more than happy to share. But one time the divine came to me and was on the other side of a glass window. And that glass window went forever in all directions. Mm-hmm. And I was I was on one side, the divine was on the other side. And, you know, in the beginning of this uh, discussion, I was talking about how it was so serious. Mm. It was a serious lover of God. <laughs> way too serious. <laughs> a little obsessive. A little <laughs> obsessive. Not in a good way. <laughs> and so anyway, I was on one side, the divine was on the other. Mm-hmm. And the divine appeared to me in the form of an Indian guru. Mm. And I was like in this angst of like, like a fly trying to get out to the outside natural world from the inside a house, like just like bumping up against that. Like trying to reach the guru through the glass. Yes, to the, through the gra- glass, which is not going to work. That thing is like, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, here I am and I'm super serious in this crazy angst, like, Oh, I just want to, I can't even go back there. It's like, I, I, I laugh actually when I, when I start to, to get into that energy because it, now I see it as being, really a funny action mm. and and it was a stepping stone and so the divine was on one side I'm on the other and the divine turns his back on me mm. and starts to walk away and then it intensifies I'm like no really serious begging and the divine turns around and sticks his tongue out at me huh. and I just cracked up laughing the divine was like it's basically imprinted upon my consciousness. You're taking this relationship way too seriously. Hmm. And, and ever since then, I let go of that um, obsessive devotion hmm. because it was blocking me from really being able to open to joy right. and peace. I wasn't at peace. I was hmm. like constantly in the want of God and it was keeping me from being in the hmm. reception and the connection and the right it was it was really it, it looked good mm-hmm. to me it I thought that's what I needed to do mm-hmm. but it was an errant thought I like what um, the Sikhs say that um, we are all an extension of God karata uh, we're all the working God and God is all around us and within us mm-hmm. and we're all extensions of that energy you know serving each other uh, serving each other mm-hmm. through our Dharma so yeah, I like I like the idea that instead of it like being this entity outside of ourselves, that it's actually we are that. Mm-hmm. I am that I am. I am that I am. Yeah. And and 
new thing that's coming is We Are That We Are. And I can't wait to share about that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's for that, a few weeks, next, a few okay, weeks next, from now. Next podcast interview, we'll go into that one. But mm. I am that I am. And it's, um, it's, a, it's really important to understand your spiritual inheritance and your spiritual wealth that's accessible to anyone. And when I say that I'm spiritually wealthy, you can be spiritually wealthy too. It's not like, you know, only it's only for a few of us or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm here, I'm fortunate, I'm aware enough that the wealth that I have spiritually, and I don't even like the word have, but the, that I experience is a blessing from the divine. Mm-hmm. It's not mine. It's a gift from the divine. And the divine mm-hmm. has mentored me so strongly that equality is is for all of us and that we are all equal under the divine and mm-hmm. it's our duty when we are spiritually wealthy when we're even physically wealthy like monetarily wealthy when we're wealthy when it comes to food or clean drinking water or whatever else that we need to share that with our brothers and sisters around the world and create a sense of equality because all gifts all wealth all anything that you have is a gift from the divine and the divine would never want your brother and sister to be sitting outside watching you eat at a table you know and not to be part of that celebration Mm -hmm. the divine absolutely says here i'm going to gift you with so much wealth take care of each other Mm -hmm. you know and so that's that's on all levels including spirituality so I've been very fortunate, and there's many spiritual teachers around the world who are very wealthy, mm-hmm. and that's their, you see them, they're serving the world, and they're, they're offering a lot of uh, uh, mana to the world, uh, and it just comes through them. They just let it, and they let it go, and, and the more that comes through mm-hmm. and they let go, the, more, the deeper they go into it, mm-hmm. and the more that they're able to receive, and really it's that sacred balance of sharing, it's, you, then you become this vessel, yes. and it just pours out. To, to whoever needs it the most. That's awesome. As long as there's receptivity and right. free will. This is really important. Mm-hmm. The divine gifts us with so many things that the secret, this is a big secret, the divine cannot connect with you in the ways the divine wants to connect with you unless you first choose it. It's mm-hmm. not like the divine's going to come in and be like, hey, I'm going to force you to love me or I'm gonna force you to surrender to me, the divine would never, ever, ever do that. Mm. The divine's like, hey, I'm over here. (laughs) If you need me, just call me, I'm over here. I'm not gonna interfere Mm -hmm. because I've given you free will. You might be lost in the forest. You might be stuck in the mud or in quicksand. And the divine's like, I'm just over here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to help you. I'm sending you some help if you want. If you want help, I'll send it to you. And, um, and without that free will, without you actually saying the words, I choose uh, divine mentorship, or I choose the mentorship of love, or I choose to align myself with divine truth, then the divine can't impose or do anything to, right. to come in. Because and... you are the divine. <sighs> that's, such a, that's such a huge thing. I think in the Piscean age, like a great way to control the flock was to say only the people on the top of the hierarchy have the divine connection. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones who can telephone God. The rest of us, you're going to have to go through the priest. You're going to have to go through the bishop or whatever. And I think that's a great way to control people. And when the 
white people first came over to North America, the shamans of the First Nations tribes were the first to be killed off because they knew if they severed that that it was they'd have more control mm -hmm. um, when they were implementing the the um, residential schools and stuff mm -hmm. so mm, I was doing breathwork last year in um, a breathwork circle and I started to like have these images of like First Nations like all the stuff that probably who knows my ancestors my Caucasian ancestors did mm -hmm. to them and, mm -hmm. and I was just and I just started to scream and um, and then the breathwork facilitator encouraged me to scream and he pressed on certain things, my liver and this and that. And I just had all these images. He said, just stay at a story, just keep letting it move through you. And he was saying to all of us that like when things like that happen, it's not personal. It's just like you are helping to heal the collective wounds. Mm -hmm. And then this woman who was across from me when this was happening, we had a sharing circle after the breathwork session. She's like, I thought she was going to be upset at me for being so loud. And she's like, you screaming like that helped me heal or like helped me process like all the times that I wanted to scream like that, like when I was giving birth to my child, but I held back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I just thought it was really cool that like, you know, as long as we think that the trauma is ours, it's my trauma, we're just going to keep attracting more trauma right. um, to have to process. But if we just say actually just the collective trauma mm -hmm. and we're all here to, to help to, it's like we're crystals or we're like human air purifiers. Right. That just feels so much more life-giving than thinking that it's this personal thing that you're going to struggle with. <laughs> right. And when you open up in that way, and this is actually a really good segue into people who are empathic and who kind of get lost in the suffering too. Mm. So when you allow yourself to move energy, you're, you're moving it for yourself, you're moving it collectively, like you've said. Mm. And it's a, a really big gift. I know I've been there like numerous times. Uh, when you go there, it's really important to also be a witness to the process too. If mm. you can be a witness, then you then you won't get stuck in that. Because sometimes right. empaths can get stuck and they actually end up closing down because they're like, I just can't handle it. I can't walk mm. into a mall. I can't walk into a concert. I can't walk into a restaurant. I can't even go to, to a school if, if, you know, if I'm in, in university because there's just too many people and I'm feeling too much. Mm -hmm. And it's like to be able to be in a place where you can feel it but be a witness to it mm -hmm. and in the moments where you need to release uh, to allow yourself to release is a real gift and it's almost like a form of athleticism mm -hmm. so having your d good daily meditation right. or yoga practices your yeah. nutrition practices mm -hmm. to help you be a good human air purifier mm -hmm. and then you know and then as you said before when you're having those good daily habits you know when it is appropriate to take some time off for yourself mm -hmm. or when you can go into the mall and really be grounded in yourself and not take on other people's sh shit too much. Right. Well, you don't <clears> have to take any of it on. Thank you. You can be, yeah. you truly can feel it if you choose. That, that's the other mm -hmm. thing. Empaths don't realize this is that I was a very powerful empath when I was, I shouldn't say I was, I'm a very powerful empath. When I was in my teens, I was so open and, and I, I w was not, I didn't have any mentorship um, through, you know, my community or anything like that and how to, to be an empath. There were no books or anything. This was back in the 80s and 90s. And so there were no TV shows even on, on this sort of thing, no internet. So for me, I was this very open empath. I nearly died on numerous occasions from the, the level of openness. Mm. Um, at one time it was during Tiananmen Square, another time during the Bosnian War. Mm. Oh my goodness. I was listening to a podcast last night where you were talking about this. Yeah. yeah, and it was so 
um, my body, I was just ready to leave my body. It was so intense. And so mm -hmm. I know what a lot of empaths go through. How did you get to the place where you're now where you can like not take it on? Like I know Matt Kahn talks, right. do you know Matt Kahn, the spiritual I'm teacher? familiar with him. Yeah. Talks about like as empaths, we're just here. Like when you do feel a difficult emotion, don't yeah. take it personally. Just let it flow past like through you to you past you and back to the divine kind of thing yeah um i would say the very first thing is that i received mentorship during the bosnian war the divine gave me direct mentorship about it mm. and so what the divine shared with me is um can you can you love the world start with love just love the world despite the suffering mm. love the world with all the suffering that's what Christ came to do. This is so I'm, I'm, I was getting this beautiful, beautiful mentorship of loving the world without, and this is really important because this is where people get caught up when they get go into the suffering. That means they're joining the illusion. Mm. Now what's happening? This is this is I've never shared this before. So this is a really mm. <laughs> just amazing opportunity. When you when you are empathic. And you get lost in the suffering you are taking mentorship from the illusion oh that's good so this that makes important. me feel like when edward dangerfield was my mentor with the breathwork session he was saying stay out of your head like stay out of story and just mm -hmm. feel the feelings and let them flow through you uh -huh. and as long i found in my experience as long as i stay out of story and just feel like if i need to cry or scream and just let that happen right. it flow it's like almost like a catharsis mm -hmm. Um, is that sort of similar to what you're talking That's about? That's part of it. It's, I mean, one, it's coming into the understanding of first, if you're, if you are feeling suffering, if you're mm -hmm. experiencing suffering, you're, you're actually in the mentorship of suffering. But you're what in if the it starts to feel good? Like, for example, like, right. I need to cry. I'm feeling all this pain for yes. the world. And then I finally allow it to happen. I have a catharsis and then I feel better. Right. So is that different? Th so th this is important. There are going to be times where, where this is going to happen because this, this happened to me. I don't know how many times now, but it's rare that it happens now, but just last summer mm -hmm. it happened. And I was really surprised when it happened. I was like, this is significant. But here's the difference between when I was 19 years old and this happened and I all nearly died <laughs> because of, of, of this, you know, systematic um, genocidal. It was a genocide really that was happening. Mm -hmm. Women were being raped and men were being murdered. Um, you know, and it was it was insane what was going on. It's the insanity of the illusion, is the mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. And so I was becoming devastated by it. Mm -hmm. So choosing not to allow the the illusion to devastate you, mm -hmm. and to hook itself into you, mm -hmm. and to be able to be open, to be able to be a witness. See, this is important. People are suffering. We to look away, or to close down, is is really not addressing what is, which is people are suffering caught up in the illusion. Mm. If you can be in a place where you can be the witness and mm. to not allow for that hooking in where, where the illusion starts to destroy you, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a, a lot of subtleties in this. Now, there are times where you go and be the witness of the illusion and you're given an opportunity to really feel into it. Hmm. But it's you have to understand, you're there as a temporary hmm. experiencer to get a sense of what the suffering that people are going through. 
right? Right. So last last um, August, approximately, I went into the depths of suffering and despair in the world and mm -hmm. sorrow. And when I went in there, it was like this dark octopus. It had so many legs. It was so deep. I don't even know how long I was there for. And I was wailing. Mm. But the whole time, I didn't want to escape it. There was no part of me that was like, oh, I need to run away from this great suffering. And at the same time, I knew it wasn't my suffering. It was mine in the sense that I'm connected to all my brothers and sisters. But not, I, it, even though I was like really letting myself feel it, to be able to then shoot yourself up and out, to be in a place that it can't touch you. Hmm. That you can be the awareness of it to, to know what work needs to be done in the world, but to not be in a place where then you get lost in the, in the right. dark forest. Where, it's, it's, um, where you're able to stay in a place where you're not creating karma or a place where you're neutral-minded right. or in that place mm -hmm. of joy. Right. Where you can still be of service. It's like Abraham says, you can't get sick enough to help the sick. You can't get mm -hmm. poor enough to help the poor. You can't get insecure enough to help the insecure. Right. You. It's important that you allow the wealth of all blessings to bless you so that you can be of greater service um, to your family, your friends, to your community, and to the greater world. And So was it just the understanding that the divine told you that's all you needed to go from that place of taking it on and letting it hurt you to being able to have, uh, I suppose, a healthy boundary with the suffering of the world? I think part of it is the illumination that there's there's a difference between feeling and getting lost and sympathy. Mm -hmm. Really, that's what it is, sympathy. Right. And and having having compassion. Compassion does not mean that you lose yourself in somebody's pain. Mm -hmm. Compassion is that you under you really understand the suffering. Whereas sympathy is when you take it on right. or kind of pity them or it's not right. as, as pure frequency yeah. as pure compassion. Yes. And then the other element that a, a lot of empaths end up having is this whole, it's not fair. And, and so I shouldn't let myself have anything because they don't have anything. Or it's not fair. Why would God do this? And mm -hmm. so they can create a disconnection between their own divinity right. and, the, and their experience in this existence. And so to be really in a place of understanding karma, which we, we touched on a lot of things today, mm -hmm. but understanding karma, karma really is having to do with choices you make that have severe consequences because the divine gives Whether us... Whether they're positive or negative. Or positive They could be severely amazing. Right. They could be amazing. And, and your karma could actually allow you to be born in a lifetime where you would be boosted up mm. into an awakened state. Mm. And I, what I want to say to anyone who's watching this is the fact that you're watching this is means you have good, great karma. <laughs> I think Hawkins says rare it is to be born into a human incarnation and even rarer still is to have an interest in spirituality. Yes. And then when you meet someone who walks and speaks truth in this existence, you are, you are blessed to be able to, to come upon that person and to recognize them. Mm -hmm. Because I, I can tell you, there's tons of people who have no idea who I am. My, within my, my friends and family, and then I have friends and family that know precisely who I am. And there, for me, there's no uh, differentiation among all of them. I love them all equally. But for them, the, how they perceive me is very different. And mm -hmm. you, you talked about this a little bit too in the beginning. And um, I forget what the question was that you asked that was similar to this. But it's this place within yourself where 
you can walk into to existence and be transforming existence without anybody even knowing you're doing it. They right. could be completely blind to you. Whereas I've had people who have literally come up and kissed my feet. Mm. And uh, they know immediately, they see me, they know what's going on. And if anybody else saw them do that, they'd be like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, uh, it's not an honoring of me. It's mm -hmm. the honoring of the divine. It's the honoring of their own divinity. Mm -hmm. The moment that they are able to go into that state of surrender within themselves, the blessings that come through them is so profound. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I just get to be a witness. Yeah. Well, it's like going from competition and comparison to the unity consciousness. And, mm -hmm. and it's like we should all be hugging each other and kissing each other's feet because we're all the divine. Yes. And, and I think as we move more into the Aquarian age, mm -hmm. like apparently the Piscean age ended somewhere between 2011 and 2015 or so. Yeah. So that was all about the hierarchies and I'm better than you and I've got more mm -hmm. stuff than you and this and that. Whereas now it's like the polarities are dissolving, mm -hmm. the master-disciple relationship is crumbling because it never mm -hmm. really worked. Like if we're yeah. looking at like, I don't know if you saw the documentary Wawa Country but Osho. Yes. Yeah. Or even the stuff that's coming out about the Kundalini Yoga uh, community with Yogi Bhajan, mm -hmm. uh, you yes, know, abusing yeah. women and this and that. Mm -hmm. So all this is it's like it never, and Bikram, you know, it's like the master student thing never really worked. Like when you put somebody up on a pedestal, right. they have a long way to fall. Yes. So if we all just walk around kissing each other's feet and recognizing mm -hmm. that we're in the divine, like when we love ourselves, and as you said, we have those good daily habits that keep us in our highest, mm -hmm. all we want to do is write books and make delicious salads for our friends like you made me and then you inspired me to make a delicious salad for Devin, our mm -hmm. mutual friend. Mm -hmm. All we want to do is write poetry and kiss each other. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. I've kissed many feet. <laughs> it's been a blessing. Nice. Yeah. And like you said, I made a salad for you. I. Mm. When people come into my space, I serve them. That's what I, I do. So as to serve is to rule, somebody said. Yeah, and when you when you look at some of the stories, the sacred texts, um, even stories in, in in the Christian Bible, the divine talks about, um, or uh, Christ or Jesus talks about how, you know, he's here to serve. He he was very clear about it. He's like, mm. I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve, mm -hmm. and. You know, a lot of people wanted to elevate him, and he was like, no. Like, mm -hmm. I'm all about teaching no. you about love and equality. <laughs> uh, you, you're not going to put me up at the top. Right. Um, because I'm here to, to be a mirror to show you. And that's what he did. He worked, I don't want to say he was a hard worker, but he didn't sit in one place and have people come to him. He traveled. He went to people. And he, everywhere he went, he made himself of service to the poorest of the poor and the people who were the most... Uh, rejected in society and he sat and had meals with them hmm. hung out with them chatted mm -hmm. with them mm -hmm. and there were people who even within his you know immediate circle there were people who knew the value of dropping whatever they were doing and going and spending time with him mm. and there's this great story between uh, Martha and Mary when Jesus went to visit and these two women were you know doing chores or whatever and uh, Martha kept doing chores and Mary came and sat with Jesus and he, he, he basically was saying like bless you because you recognize the value of, of the of the wealth that's available for you mm -hmm. and uh, he's like I don't need you to do chores for me or to serve me come and sit so I can I can nourish you mm. but 
we have this thing in, in society, especially with women. Women t typically play this role of like, I'll take care of you, um, I'll serve you, but I won't let you serve me. Right. And to be in a place where, I talked about this on, on Monday, is allowing people to take care of you, allowing people to do nice things for you. I, I can't tell you the number of people who I offer do something nice for them and they're like, no, 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 it's okay. And what can I do for you? And it's like, no, I'm offering you a gift of, mm. of letting yourself to be taken care of. And people have, a lot of people have a hard time with, with that. So one of the practices that I spoke about on Monday is that is bare minimum for nourishing yourself is let people do nice things for you. Mm -hmm. And when they do think nice things to you, allow for the celebration of gratitude because then you're telling the universe mm -hmm. yeah i'm open to receiving gifts i'm open to receiving blessings and connection because that's the other thing when you let people help you you let people serve you you let people and i'm not talking about being a needy person <laughs> although sometimes we we are needy and we need help mm -hmm. but i'm talking about even just the just the everyday balance of allowing people to do nice things for you instead of you constantly doing nice things for other people. And maybe also there's a piece on doing nice things for oneself so that you can be discerning when somebody says, oh, I'm gonna do this nice thing for you, you can know if they're actually pure about it. Yeah. Like for example, um, I was recording a song and this individual said that they would pay for it. Mm -hmm. And then they ended up not paying for it, so I was left with the bill. Mm -hmm. And like, so I, what I thought was a nice thing actually turned out to be very stressful. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized was during that time, like I was drinking a little too much beer and I wasn't really loving myself as much as I could in terms of the good daily habits that I'd been keeping up. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I believe that if I'd been just a little bit more in a state of self-approval and self-acceptance, I would have went, hey, maybe this is the wrong time to accept this gift. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would have had that kind of clue. Oh, I don't know, or like that foresight, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's possible. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's, it is actually, sometimes, here's the thing. There are times where you're going to be tested. There's going to be times, you know, on any type of spiritual path, you're going to be tested to see where you are with being able to receive or get to certain levels of consciousness. And it's not necessarily a bad thing or meaning that you have really bad karma that you're attracting something this, this is this is important to discern as well to be in a place where no matter what comes that you're you don't judge yourself you don't carry shame about it mm. but that you just go into clarity of responsibility okay do I have some responsibility here I was in a car accident yesterday and one could say, well, if you were in a car accident, you know, what did you do, Tara, <laughs> to deserve to be in a car accident or whatever else? And um, I've, I've been with that since yesterday. And I'm very fortunate because I have really good movement and I didn't get injured all that much. Mm. But I was shown what I did yesterday. I was mm. having a conversation with someone and I went, oops, that was actually quite a big mistake. I was actually very surprised that I didn't see what I had done. Mm. And so at times we may not even know when we've made a mistake. And even someone like, for me, I'm in a state of mentorship with the divine most of the time. And I know this mistake now. I knew what happened and how I allowed myself to go down into that. I started to speak about something I was not supposed to speak about. And I let mm. myself speak about it prematurely. Mm. and. When I did that, I 
I was being told not to do it and I did it anyway. Hmm. And it caused me to, to have a, a little remembrance. And so when it came to me, what I had done, cause I'm like, what is it that I've done? I, I was in this car accident, I'm not quite sure. And then all of a sudden I was sharing with somebody, mentoring somebody else about the same thing. And as I was speaking it, I saw that I had just done what they had done. And I was like, whoa, how, would, how did I block myself from even knowing that I had done that? I'd caused, I'd done something I wasn't supposed to and I already covered it with a cloud of forgetting. Hmm. But and you don't believe that you were being punished for, for that? It no, was... no, it's not, I don't believe in punishment at all. Hmm. I don't believe the divine punishes us or anything. That's not hmm. it at all. Hmm. It's the coming into the remembrance of a way I was, I had deceived myself. Hmm. And so, um, in having that car accident, which I was, I was like, what? I was curious. I was like, what? Where is my responsibility in this? It's interesting because when I got out of the car, I was uh, kind of dizzy. I felt nauseous. Like it was pretty. Uh, in, in the moment, it was a little unsettling. But I end up the woman and I end up hugging, and it was a really beautiful exchange. And mm. she she apologized, and I and I said, no, I understand. These things happen from time to time. Mm. And it's true, these things kind of happen from time to time. Mm -hmm. uh, but in it, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was, I didn't feel angry with her. I didn't feel like I judged her or anything else. I didn't even go, oh, you know, it, it changed my day. I was, it was, I'd booked off some time to walk in the sun and it was a beautiful sunny day. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a few other things that I really needed to accomplish. And there was a neutrality, very strong neutrality in me. Hmm. And which was lovely to experience. And I'm sure she thought it was lovely to experience that someone wasn't yelling at her for crashing into them and, and stuff. And, and I just allowed for that exchange to happen. And then I went on my way, but it, within me, I, I did ask, I said, well, what is my responsibility? I was stopped. So driving wise, there was no responsibility, mm -hmm. but what was my internal energetic, energetic responsibility? responsibility and just, you know, earlier that week, I had I I had transgressed, hmm. and sometimes it's those they can be subtle ways, and but they're really powerful, and it's the subtlety of when we do it that can make us go into that forgetting place, and I'm grateful that I I was given a reminder to like pause, and maybe if I had done that earlier in the week, maybe right away when I had made that transgression, if I had like wrote it down or said to my mind, okay, I, I need to rectify this. Then Do you think you were kind of feeling subconsciously bad that you made this transgression and then that was kind of like yeah. throwing you off a little bit? It could could have been that. So whatever it is, we, we do attract whatever is going on in our lives around us. Mm -hmm. That being said, you can attract, you can have lots of things come into your life and it doesn't affect you. That happens mm -hmm. to me all the time. I've had incredible, what would be challenging to other people, which would be devastating to other people, which would like throw people into incredible chaos in their lives. I've had all of those things, types of things happen to me. And to be able to be in a place where when they happen to be equanimous, to be joyful, to be peaceful, it's a, that's part of the practice too. Right. Right. And so what I can say is this, throughout my life, I've had some incredible terrible challenges and I'm grateful for all of them 
Mm. I don't see them as being punished or bad or whatever. I see it as showing me how I get lost and, and how other people get lost. Right. It's like everything that comes, it's like Matt Kahn, Matt Kahn says, everything that comes to you is for your growth. Right. So it's like to maybe help strengthen a certain muscle so that you can even mm-hmm. be more of who you are. Yeah. Kind of thing. I want to take some time for questions. If there's anybody watching who has any questions for Tara, feel free to ask them in the comments uh, live chat section. And um, Sawako is saying the divine is ourselves. Totally. And then Carbonado has put a little Kundalini snake, I'm presuming. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, to address the divine is ourselves, I, I think this is a really important topic because there is... It's important to have a sacred balance with this because the ego mind can get involved and go, oh, I'm God, I'm God, and whatever I say goes or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah. For me, even though I've awakened into God consciousness, I still follow the leader. Right. The this leader being the energy. The, that which leads me in love, mm. always. Mm. And so there, it, this is, it's not like there's a perfection... Um, in in a way that other people might call a perfection within me. So that it's not like, you know, I'm, I've had someone say to me once, if you're the divine, prove you're the divine, which is ego-based. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no, it's unnecessary to prove. We all are the divine. We, are, we all are <laughs> the divine, right? And so, and we're all co-creating this experience. At the same time, there there is a beautiful, what I would call, Holy Family. And the Holy Family is a blueprint of awakening. It's a blueprint of mentorship that is within us. Hmm. And so when you follow what some religions have called the Godhead, which is a weird word in some ways, it is that which is, um, you know, it's this guiding force and that's I could, I, the best way I can do it is put my hands out like this and like this like ball of energy bird. kind of thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so this, I've, and I've seen this on people who are awakened. I've experienced it within myself. This ball of, of you know, yeah. light. It's the arc line in, yeah. in Kundalini Yoga. It's like um, the nucleus of the auric field of, of your body, and it runs from earlobe to earlobe. And then women also have an extra arc line from nipple point to nipple point, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, so maybe you're you're seeing the nucleus of some people's auric fields, which I think we, it's kind of like um, when we're all balanced and in a state of um, surrender to the divine Godhead, mm-hmm. um, we 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 attain that balance in our aura, and then we can mm-hmm. we all have. And I think some people have naturally bigger um, auric fields than others, right. and and arc lines. And you can see it in Egyptian art with that where it kind of, there's this kind of um, almost oval um, mm-hmm. thing above the head of, of some, some of the depictions of, of people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, but I, it's a kind of a glowing thing that I see, that I see mm-hmm. um, above some people who are, who are truly awakened. And so, so in this experience of, of surrender, I'm surrendered to that which is the illumination the truth, the, um, yeah, those are the best words I could say, the illumination and truth of love. Hmm. And so at the same time, I'm, I'm in the field of existence and I, I'm 
tapped into the suffering in the world. So I'm tapped in on both ends, and this is where the sacred balance. Like then, in your embodiment, you become the sacred. You are the sacred balance. You are being guided by the Godhead, and you are tapped into the suffering of the of existence and this field, and it's all transmuted here. Right. Right, and so that it can you can assist to alleviate suffering if that's what you're guided to do, or you can be a witness to the suffering, or whatever it is that, that you need to come here to do. We should, we should wrap up soon. Mm -hmm. What is one more thing that, that you might feel called to tell the listeners today? Mm. I, say, I think the most important thing for, for you to know is that you are love, and that love is available to you in so many forms, and that all of existence is a reminder um, of who you are and is, is mirroring a beautiful, and when I say existence, I don't, I'm not excluding anything really. At the same time, when you get to a place where you open to your own divinity, everything is beautiful. And so mm. the beauty of existence is there to awaken you and to nourish you and to remind you of the beauty of, of your, your own divinity and the treasure that you are. You are such a treasure. Um, I, would, I, could, I could write poetry like you said, we could write poetry when we come together in love. I could write poetry about how beautiful you are, how glorious you are, and what a treasure you are to existence, what you are a treasure you are to the divine. And each and every person you encounter has hidden treasure within them. And when you get to a place where you allow and you choose equality between you and everyone else, you access that treasure. And this man here is quite the treasure. Oh, thank you. We are all we are all treasures. I honestly mm -hmm. believe that. And um, in my journey, what I do my best to do is um, do practices and learn things and connect with spiritual teachers mm -hmm. who make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Right? Because I feel like the emotion of moving uh, up that vibrational scale to being more and more of who we truly are, so that we can help ourselves and the world feel good, mm -hmm. is is really the emotion of relief. Mm -hmm. So whenever I feel relief, I know that I'm taking a step more towards being who I really am. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in depression and I start to get angry, that's relief. Mm -hmm. But I do my best not to stay there. I'll do some breath work or this or that or mm -hmm. some Kundalini yoga and I'll get to bravery. And so, yeah, I just, I just want to say thank you for saying that. And I feel mm -hmm. the same about you. And um, I really honestly believe that we're all... We're all here to help each other feel good. No man, no woman left behind. Absolutely. The divine loves us all equally and expects equality from each of us. Mm. And so if we can get on the equality train mm. and um, allow e even equality to mentor us, then mm. it's incredible what we can do in this world together mm -hmm. when we really truly start to see it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's a, a king of France or the um, pauper of wherever, if everyone is considers themselves equal, then the whole system has to rearrange itself, mm. and it will the system will transform itself because everyone, when they hold the field of equality, will start to ensure the field of equality. It's mm, beautiful. Yeah. When everybody holds the field of equality, what was the second part? 
Uh, we'll start to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm transmitting. <laughs> when everybody holds the field of equality, the field of equality will start to shift and change and ensure equality. And ensure equality. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. High five to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being oh, on the show. Oh, it's such a blessing. I appreciate you. Tara Bianca for joining us today on the podcast and a huge thank you to everybody who tuned in. It's always so uplifting to be able to speak to all these people who I'm inspired by and you know it, it really is somewhat a selfish endeavor to have a podcast where you get to talk to all these individuals from all around the world and from your own backyard who just hold so much love and wisdom and presence in their being and uh, Tara is a prime, a prime example of that so thank you so much Tara for sharing with us, uh, you know, the world, we need this, we need this love, we need this presence, we need this information right now. Uh, you know, these are pressurized times, uh, you know, and the pressure is not going to stop. So we have to, you know, be able to think and behave and eat and speak and rest in ways that keep us in the vortex, that keep us tuned in, tapped and turned on to our original nature, our true selves, the loving presence that we are born to be so that we can really serve and show up in this world at this time in a way that feels good, right? We're not here to just survive, we're here to thrive. That's what all the spiritual teachings say in different words, in so many words. We're here to thrive, we're here to be happy, we're here to shine. So thank you, Tara, for being an example of that. And if you're interested in learning more about Tara Bianca, click on her book link in the link below and go get her book. It's amazing. It's one of the best books I've ever read. Uh, there's an awesome segment on it uh, in it in Ho'oponopono, I think that's what it's called. It's a Hawaiian forgiveness prayer, so I can really recommend that part. But the whole book is amazing. Um, I wish you guys a beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, take care of yourselves, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram uh, at Will Blunderfield. If you like the music that's being played, that's my one of my songs that I wrote called Long Time Sun. You can get it anywhere music is streamed or sold. Uh, iTunes, uh, preferably, so then I can make a little bit of money so I can keep making music. Uh, if you buy the album, I'll, I'll get some of the proceeds and be able to funnel that back into my creative uh, musical endeavors. So I do appreciate that, and I appreciate your support. Love you guys. Mwah. See you next week. beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will feel insecure around you. You're all meant to shine as children do. You're born to make manifest the glory that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone.
lets her own light shine. We unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. May the long time.